Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Ready to learn God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I am anointed to teach your Word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So this month we have been looking at uh, wisdom. How many of you have been learning certain things, certain wisdom lessons from the things that we've been sharing? Your life is getting better from it. Alright. Now, today I want to talk about choices and consequences. Choices and consequences. Now, it's important we understand that this is a very, very important topic. Choices and consequences. Now, thank you, Lord Jesus. When God created man, God created man with the ability to make a choice. That's one of the greatest abilities that God gave to man. To be able to choose. You know, people, people wondered many times, people say, why did God create Adam and give him the ability to choose when he knew he was going to choose the wrong thing? You know, without the power of choice, you cannot know if somebody wants to obey you willingly. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with me? If someone is forced to do something, you will not be able to tell. You know, when you go write all those cases, in, in, uh, sometimes in police station, and they will say, uh, you wrote that under duress. Because if you were in the police station, our kind of police station, <laughs> not the one you watch in films, our kind of police station, and they hit you with that button, and they slap you, if they ask you, did you kill the president? Just for you to have peace, what would you write? You write yes. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Now you understand that that's not really the choice you want to make. That was made under what? Under duress. And God didn't want to create man like that. So he gave man the power to make choices. So man can make a choice. Now, we make our choices... And our choices create our consequences. You've got to understand that. We make our choices, and our choices do what? Create our consequences. So, every man's consequence is a product of his choice. Every man's consequence is a product of his choice. Are you following this now? Now, it's very important. It looks simple, but it's not that simple. Because if you understand why people are where they are, you would realize why our world is the way it is. And so, we make our choices, and our choices create our consequences. That is why, even in the Christian faith, you are not forced to become a Christian. John 3.16 what does John 3.16 say? <laughs> what does John 3.16 say? Alright. 
Alright Alright mm-hmm. Alright Whoever Whoever That's where the choice is Anyone who believes this message Would have everlasting life In as much as everlasting life Is important to every man God did not force it on men If God did not force salvation on men He will not force prosperity on you If God did not force salvation on men He will not force healing on you Are you following what I'm saying? So your choice Is important to your experiences In fact I'll put it this way Your choice creates your experiences Can we say that together? Say my choice Or my choices Create my experiences You need to think deeply on that That my current experience Is a product of my choice and sometimes people say, I'm a Christian, but why am I sick? I'm a Christian, why did I'm a Christian? No, 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 no. <clears throat> You're a Christian does not guarantee anything. Your choice in that Christianity is what guarantees everything. You chose to be in church today. Some other people chose not to be in church. Are, are you following what I'm saying? It's part of your choice. That's why as a pastor, you must never force people to belong to your church. There is nothing like pastoring an unwilling member. I don't know why pastors do that. Giving people positions to stay in churches. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You see, in the Gospels, anything that's not from your heart is not accepted by the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anything that's not from your heart is not accepted by the Lord. You see, sometimes that's why when, when, we're, when we're living here and we say we make things sometimes uh, voluntary, you say, you can do this, you can do this. People say, no. People don't say, ah, no. If you want people to really do, you have to tell them. You know, if I say, if you're a church worker, for instance, if you don't come early, we will suspend you for three months. Right? People would come. But you know, the way I've studied the scripture, it doesn't make that work accepted to the Lord. You have to have a choice. I am working in the church. My responsibility demands that I get there on time. And I choose to willingly get there if there is suspension or not. That's how God wants us to serve Him. Now, if you go to Numbers chapter 14 verse 28. The Lord had promised the children of Israel. The Lord had promised the children of Israel the, the promised land. The land of Canaan. Took them to the edge of Canaan. They took the graves of Canaan. Beautiful graves. Awesome graves. Tested the graves of Canaan. If you read my book of Bible story, you see the picture of the graves. And it says, Numbers 14, 28. Say to them, as I leave, declares the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. Do you realize the... Children of Israel getting to the promised land was the best thing that could have happened to them in their lives. But they chose not to enter the promised land. And you see what the Lord said? He said, in fact, Numbers 14, 28, when he says, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. We can summarize that to say, I would respect your choice. The garden is good, the, the promised land is good for you, but if you choose not to get into it, I respect it. 
God respects the choices of men. I need you to pay attention to this. God respects what? The choices of men. John chapter 1, uh, verse 11 down, it says, He came to his own, but they received not. They received him not. But as many as received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. As many, as many as received him. You see, your life is a product of your choices. You've, you have to understand it. Glory to God. Come on, I said glory to God. Your life is a product of your choice. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. Pay attention to this. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. It says, Today, I'm using the New Living Translation, Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. God is calling for a witness. He says, I call heaven and earth. (laughs) To do what? To witness the choice you make. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. God says, I want to give you two choices. Blessings and curses. Life and death. God says, please, choose life. So you and your descendants might live. But then people end up making their choices. There are four things that will determine your choices in life. You need to pay attention to this. Four things. Every choice you're making today is built down to these four choices. I'm going to read a passage in the book of Proverbs. That passage, I stumbled on it early this month. Late December, sorry, when I was studying. And I said, wow, I've never seen it. I've read Proverbs a lot of times. I've read Proverbs a lot of times, but I've never seen it. Number one, thing that influences what helps people to make choices. Number one, your experiences. Your experiences. What has happened to you or what you have experienced? Most times, we underestimate our experiences. We think that our experiences don't have a lot of impact on us, but they do. They do. So, when you have certain kind of experiences, they would influence your choice going forward. Have you realized, for instance, if you grew up, uh, if you grew up with, uh, um, for instance, a, 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 in a home where there's not so much, there's, you don't find so much love there in the, in the house, so much love and peace and harmony, you will, you will grow up somehow having a bit of resentment for marriage. Are you following what I'm saying? You just grow up with, ah, it's not everybody that is married that is peaceful. No, it's not because you have studied marriage. Your experience is shaping those choices. And then if you meet a man, and the man has any symptom like either your father or your mother, depending on which party wasn't acting right, you immediately do what? 
You start backtracking. What's happening there? Your experience is helping you. Let's leave that. If you've loaned people money a lot and they don't pay back, and all of us have had that experience, what do you do next time when people come for loaning? What do you do? You don't give them. Why? Because of what? In fact, some of you will say, I've had very bitter experiences. Do you understand that? So your experience, whether positive or negative, does what? Influence your choice. People just think, I'm a man. I'm a woman. I decide what I want. No, you don't decide what you want. There are a whole lot of factors that, has, that is affecting why you're making the choices you're making. So number one is what? Experiences. For instance, as a pastor, if you've raised up a couple of pastors a lot and they disappointed you, they went somewhere, they do all of kinds of things, when you see people coming up with the call of God on their life, what do you do? You want to shut it down. So every one of us, listen, every one of us must be careful of the experiences that we allow to shape our choices. Number two, we're looking at four things that influence your choice. Number two, society. Now, now, let me write this. Let, let me say this. Number one, under number one, I said, the things you are exposed to, under your experience, please, under your experience, the things you are exposed to, either audio, visual, or writing, also shape your experience. So, whilst we're in school, I don't know whether it, it's, it's, it's still common now, whilst we're in school, they were... Ladies who read a lot of romantic novels. You know, they read all those big romantic novels. Uh, and you realize that those ladies who read those uh, romantic novels when we were in school, they had, uh, they had an illusion about relationship and marriage. You know, happily afterwards kind of thing. And so, the, the ex- what they were reading in the novel and what they were seeing in real life was not matching. <laughs> and that that also affected their choices because the time they should get married, they were looking for the novel actor. And you know that human beings were not that way. So what you read shape your choice. What you listen to. Right? You know, um, also whilst we're in school, people who listen to reggae music a lot. Huh? Some of them went on, began to have uh, dreadlocks. Hmm? It wasn't because they loved dead, dreadlocks. They listened to the music enough until the spirit of Bob Marley got in, in them and they began to admire him. Hmm? And the Palm Wine Drinkers Club also listened to a certain kind of music until they began to gyrate in exam halls. Hmm? Those experiences will shape your choices. Or the things you watch. They form your experience. If you're exposed to all kinds of crazy uh, videos at a very tender age, it'll shape your choices. Even as a teenager. These things I'm sharing with you are very, very important. So you need to ask yourself today, why you're choosing what you're choosing. Number two, society. Society, we're looking at the things that influence our choices. Society. 
uh, uh, when I refer to society, I'm talking about the dominating thought pattern, the prevalent thought pattern. What's the prevalent thought pattern in our society? It shapes our choices. Uh, you, you know, some of you who had, how many of you had parents who wore bell bottom and agola shoes? You remember about agola shoes? Is it agola shoes now? Is it apola, eh? Or whatever it is. But you know the shoe I'm talking about. How many of you had parents, your mother showed you her picture when she was younger and she had bell bottom with those big shoes? How many of you will wear that today? Hmm? Praise God. Come on, how many of you will really wear that today? You think you wear it? Huh? You know, there were times for guys, what was fashionable was skinny jeans, tight fitting jeans. Their legs could hardly breathe. How many of you would want to wear that today? So you realize that society's dominating influence shapes our choices. Today, everybody wants to go to where? Where does everybody want to migrate to? Canada. Canada. There was a time it was UK. You know, there was a time everybody wanted to go to UK. There was a time everybody wanted to go to the US. Now everybody wants to go where? Canada. That can be a dominating strong pattern. So, society's dominating pattern can influence your choices, either positive or what? Negative. You've got to understand this. And so we've got to look at the roots of our choices. Now, uh, these things can either be positive or negative. Are you following what I'm saying? Positive or negative. Let's look at our craze and covetousness for wealth. It wasn't like this a few generations back. Are, are, you, are you following this? Number three, your family, your upbringing, the way you were brought up can influence your choice. Your family. Your family can influence your choice a lot. And that's why it's proper and I want to appeal to you, people who are married and people who are about to get married, learn. Let, let your family, don't just marry for Pleasure. Don't just marry because you're getting old. Don't just marry because marry because you want to create an environment to raise an individual who can fulfill purpose. The environment in your home is important. These things shape your choices of life. The upbringing, how you were brought up. If you were brought up in a polygamous home, you would always almost see the world as a battlefield. Hmm? You would always want to fight. Because when the meat is shared, your mother's portion, your, your mother's sister's portion, you, you always have that approach to life. Sometimes, being brought up in a polygamous home gives you uh, that drive to make something out of your life. Because you realize that it's only what you can make out of your life that you'll be able to use to help your parents, your mother, whatever, depending on how the polygamous home works. There are also people in a single home who are raised like that. You're raised by single parents. If you're raised by single parents, you will have a very strong affinity towards your mother who is raising you. And if you're not careful about that, it will make you to despise men because your father was not there. And so you can come into marriage with, a, with an approach that the man cannot control me. 
Man cannot control me. I know what I'm saying. No. That upbringing is influencing your choice. And that's why when a man gets or a woman gets born again, you have to allow the word of God to heal those things. You have to, you have to learn to make the word final authority in your life so that when that issues start arising and you want to make choices based on your experience, based on some of all of these things, the word of God will begin to correct you. And say, no, that's not in line with the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If not, we will all make choices based on what? Our experiences. Come on now, help me with that. We make choices based on what? Our experiences. We make choices based on what? Our society. We make choices based on what? Our family and what? Our upbringing. Number four, I said four things that help influence your choice. Your closest associates, your friends. Don't ever forget these four things. Your experience, your society, your family, and your friends. Your closest friends will shape your choices. Praise God. Your closest friends will shape your choices. Now, when a man becomes born again, his choices ultimately should be based on the word of God. The Bible must now become your final authority. You say, well, I have this experience. I had this kind of upbringing. I had uh, my society is this way. And this is this. But this is what the word of God says. Let me tell you. None of us was raised by perfect parents. None of us was raised by what? Perfect parents. Can I get an amen? You think your parents were perfect? No, none of us were raised by perfect experience. Number two, none of us had all good experiences in life. Do you think all of us have good experiences in life? No. Number three, none of us were raised in a good society. Do you think all of us were raised in a good society? No. Number four, not all of us had very good friends all around us. Do you think all of us have good friends all around us all our life? No. So, if you're making your wrong choice based on all of these four things, and you're saying, I don't have an excuse, then you're wrong. You have chosen not to make the right choice. Amen. Praise God. Are you still here? Okay, so... The Bible says, uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. That means you will not live on any other source of nourishment. Whether your experience, whether your friends, whether your parents, whether your whatever, we've talked about your society. It says, but he shall live by what? Every word. Come and say every word. That proceeds out of where? The mouth of God. So how does the new creation live? Lives by what? The word of God. Hallelujah. Lives by what? The word of God. You see, no, this is what the word of God says. I will live by the word of God. You see, of our own we're not wise. But God's word becomes our wisdom. Christ becomes what? Our wisdom. Hallelujah. Now, this is the scripture. Everybody read this scripture. This is the scripture. Proverbs 19 verse 13. This is the scripture. <laughs> oh boy. Proverbs chapter 19. 
and verse 13. I'm going to read it in four translations. Proverbs 19, verse 13. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's important for us to understand the power of our choices. The power of our choices. Praise God. Now, it says, let's read this first. No, no, no. Proverbs 19, verse 3. 3, not 13. Verse 3. Proverbs, verse 3, please. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. Look at this. Everybody look at this. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. The foolishness of a man ruins his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. Do you know what that, that means? Let me read it from other translations. Ver, uh, NLT. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. A man makes a choice and destroys his life, then he gets angry with God. He says, People ruin their life by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. I like the amplified. He says, The foolishness of a man undermines his way, ruining whatever he undertakes. Then his heart is resentful and rages against the Lord. For being a fool, he blames the Lord instead of himself. And I've seen this all over. People make the wrong choices about their life. And then they end up blaming God. Oh God, why me? Oh God, why is my life like this? Look at it. It says, the foolishness of a man ruins his way. And his heart is angry against the Lord. Are, are, are you following this? People make choices. They become poor. Then they are angry with the Lord. They are angry with church. They are angry with pastor. They are angry with everybody. The Amplified says, instead of blaming himself, he gets angry with the Lord. Look at it. The CEV, Contemporary English Version. Look at it. It says, We are ruined by our own stupidity, though we blame the Lord. Come on, do you agree with this verse? Do you agree with this verse? Yeah. It says, we are ruined by our own stupidity, though we blame the Lord. You know, most times, we don't want to read these passages in scriptures. We want to read the one we like. What, what do we like? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. And yet, you are very extravagant. No accounting, no budget. Yet, my God. Oh, <laughs> Come on, are you here? Do you like this verse of scripture? Yeah, I like it. Good news. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and then they blame the Lord. They ruin themselves by their own stupid action, and then they blame the Lord. I want us to really think deeply on this. Let's not rush over it. Let's think deeply on it. 
What actions, what choices am I making that is affecting my life and then I'm blaming God? If I were to write this verse, I would also add and also blame the devil. Because some people actually blame the devil when he's not responsible for some things. The foolishness of a man ruins his way. And his heart rages against the Lord. He's angry with the Lord. He's angry with God. How many people have stopped church because they're angry with God and angry with pastors? Hmm? You went to a, a false prophet. He scammed you. Instead of being angry at your own foolishness for not reading the word of God, you're angry at pastors. You went to a church where they're not teaching you the truth. Instead of being angry at yourself for allowing yourself to be deceived by not studying the word of God, you end up blaming God. Didn't take care of your home properly. Didn't take care of your family properly. You're blaming God. Let, let me tell you this. Listen very carefully to me. God is not against you. God is for you. God, I said God is not against you. God is what? For you. Can I tell you something this morning? God is not your problem. I said what? God is not your problem. He is our solution. This anger against God. Let it go. If you need healing, he's made healing available. If you need prosperity, he's made prosperity available. Hallelujah. Come and I said, Hallelujah. Look at this. God's word translation. The stupidity of a person turns his life upside down. <laughs> and his heart rages against the Lord. I like it. He said, stupidity will turn your life upside down. And your heart rages against the Lord. Now, your choices affect your actions. Do not make the wrong choices and end up blaming God for the outcome of your life. Or getting angry with God. God is not against you. God is for you. Hallelujah. Come on, how many of us can see areas in our lives where we've made the wrong choices already? Like, yeah, it's corrected. You know, people have entered this year with all the excitement, and I see people's excitement is beginning to dull, to drag down now because reality is coming now. Huh? <laughs> you know, I read something uh, online. It was very funny. A guy wrote something on Twitter. He says, well, the first week of this year is already gone. What have you done? <laughs> and somebody replied on that. Please don't rush us. <laughs> don't, don't rush us. <laughs> you tell us. Everybody like, no, no, it's okay. You know, the energy. Yeah, 2021. Oh, come on. Let the year come. After one week, say, just relax. <laughs> In fact, someone wrote something very funny. He says, um, he says 11 months 29 days countdown to Christmas. <laughs> Eight choices that will determine your life. 
eight choices, eight things you make a choice about that will determine your life to a very large extent. Number one, number one, eight choices that will determine your life. Number one, your response to God and His Word. Your response to God and His Word. Your response to God and His Word. How you choose to respond to God and His Word will determine to a large extent. I mean, I I think will determine to a very large extent how your life will turn out. C.S. Lewis said, A creature revolting against the Creator is revolting against the source of his own powers, including even his power to revolt. It is like the scent of a flower trying to destroy the flower. You know, I don't know why people struggle to serve God. I don't know why people struggle to commit to God. But in the book of Romans, Paul tells us that even though we see the attributes of God all over, some people in their hearts still choose not to be thankful and to acknowledge God. I remember the first time um, I flew on a plane. Turn your Bible to Psalm 81, verse 11. The first time I flew on a plane, I wondered, I said, why would anybody, why would anybody disbelieve that there is God? I mean, when you are above the clouds and you see how arranged the beauty of the clouds. Like, why do people say there is no God? Why do people revolt against God? Psalm 81, verse 11. Psalm 81, verse 11. Look at what the Lord said about the people of Israel. But my people did not listen to my voice. And Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart. To walk in their own devices. Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies. And turn my hand against the adversary. The choice to God and his word. God said about the children of Israel. Psalm 81. It says. They did not obey me. They didn't obey me. They didn't listen to me. One of the choices that will shape your life forever. Is the choice of God and his word. I grew up in a pastor's home. My parents were ministers of the gospel. Still ministers of the gospel. But a time came in my life where I had to accept Jesus as Lord of my life. And to commit to Jesus. And to say that I will follow the Lord. And I will serve the Lord. Praise God. Your choice to God and His word. Would you be like the children of Israel that the Lord spoke about here in Psalm 81? says, I wish that they obeyed me. I wish they would listen to my voice. But I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart. Here very clearly, the Lord showed us that the children of Israel were not ready to respond to God and His word. You have that choice. 
can't force it on you. How you respond to God and His Word will determine to a very large extent the outcome of your life. I choose to believe God's Word. I can't explain everything that's in the Word of God, but I've chosen to be radically committed to obeying the Scriptures. I don't try to analyze everything with my mind. I might not, give you the, I might not be able to give you the explanation to every verse of the Bible, but I've chosen to believe God and to believe His Word. Mike Mudok used to say, God's greatest joy is to be believed. His greatest pain is to be doubted. The children of Israel had numerous opportunities, but they turned from believing in God. So number one, eight choices that will determine your life is the choice of your response to what? To God and what? And His Word. Are you still here? Number two, eight choices. That will determine your life. Eight choices that will determine your life. Number two, your local church and your pastor. Your local church and your pastor. Psalm 68 verse 6. Psalm 68 verse 6. Psalm 68 verse 6 God makes a home for the lonely He leads out the prisoner into prosperity Only the rebellious dwell in a patched land Acts chapter 4 verse 23 After the disciples were persecuted Acts 4 23 The Bible says they went back to their own company Acts 4 23 when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. The apostles belonged to a local church. John chapter 6, verse 68. John six sixty-eight. John chapter 6. And verse 68. Know what Peter said? Simon Peter answered Jesus after Jesus finished teaching. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Why do you go to the church you're going to? Many times people go to churches where they are not fed the word of God. Where they are not taught the word of God. Because that's their family church. That's where they grew up. Or they have a position there. You're not a politician. You don't stay in a local church because you have positions. You stay in a church where you are fed and taught the truth of God's word. Listen to me. Any church, including this one. And that's why sometimes I say it all the time. And I don't say it out of arrogance. I don't say it out of arrogance. And I say this all the time. If you're not being fed here, you're free to look for a church where you're taught the word of God. It's not a cult. 
It doesn't mean that if you leave the local church, you will not be blessed. I'm not the only one God has called. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, I want everyone, I want the whole world to come here. But of course, the whole world will not come here. The choice of your local church and who your pastor is. God says, I'll give them shepherds after my heart who will feed them with knowledge and understanding. Today, we have opportunities to listen to the whole world. And many people are not plugged into local churches. You're following somebody there, following this one here, following that one here, following this one here, following this one here, following this one here. You're not plugged into a local church. God designed the local church. The local church is God's master plan. It's not man's idea. It's God's idea. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the choice of your local church. Where you're nourished, where you're fed. Are you being taught the word of God? If they ask you, why do you go to that church? You should have only one answer. The words of eternal life are taught to me in that church. Not just because the music is good. Not just because the air condition is cold. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not because I say, I just like my pastor. No. You should like your pastor. But the day will come when your pastor might do something you don't like. So this thing is not about likeness. It's about are you getting the words of eternal life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't just choose a church. You know, people choose churches casually. You don't do that. Pray and ask the Lord where he wants you to be suited. When he wants you to be, to be fed. When I was growing up, uh, people were choosing mentors. You know, spiritual role models and mentors. Outside of my dad who is my spiritual father. People were choosing mentors. Role models everywhere. Ah, I choose this one. And a lot of people choosing. The one person that I have outside of my dad who is my spiritual father. The one person I had followed since 1999 till date, till forever is the one person that I keep following why? I didn't make that choice casually, I didn't make that choice because I liked him, no the spirit of the Lord led me into that and I've heard people write all kinds of things say all kinds of things, I'm not moved because that's where the Lord planted me, that's where the Lord asked me to get my, my partnership, that's where I'm a partner with that ministry. I see the anointing of that ministry at work in my life. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if the Lord has called you to this local church, be part of the local church. Get involved. Get planted. Get rooted. Get active. There's nothing like being part of a local church. I'm just observing. I'm just observing a couple. Don't observe. It's those that are rooted and planted in the house of the Lord that shall flourish like the cedars of Lebanon. It's not the observers. Number three. Are you, are you still here? Number three. Your friends and your closest associates. The choice of your friends. Those who you allow to influence your life. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10. It says, my son, when sinners entice you, do not go with them. People will entice you. Who are your closest associates? Who are the closest people to you? Who do you spend the greatest time? He says, my son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. Don't give your choice to the enticement of sinners. Hallelujah. Come and I said, hallelujah. 
says don't consent. They will entice you. What is the dominant discussion amongst your closest friends? If you don't have friends who stare your fire for God, your own fire will go down. Hallelujah. Come on, are you still here, church? Huh. Everything, all your, your friends talk about is football, 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 football. They have all the records. Who's called it? going La Liga. Who, who is the top in, in premiership? How much did they use to transfer this player? How much was Naira? When did that? <laughs> he that walks to the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You know, if there's one thing we teach a lot about this church, in this church, is this scripture. I don't think there's any wisdom series we don't talk about association. You don't need to have all the friends in the world. Somebody say, when I die, who will come for my burial? You will not know. That's the truth. You will not know who will come. <laughs> or you think you will know? You will not. You cannot make acquaintances just in planning for your funeral, you have a life to live before you die. That's one is more. That's into, that's important. How you live now will determine where you will spend eternity. That's important. You cannot. You understand. You cannot be living in carnality and expecting and ex, expect to spend your eternal life with God. You're more concerned about people that will share plastic during your funeral as opposed to obeying God for the lifetime that He has given to you. Look at this. Number four. Listen to this very carefully. Your spouse. One choice that will determine almost everything about your life is who you choose to marry. And if you have married already, who you have chosen to be married to. Hmm? There are two scriptures, four scriptures I want to read. Proverbs 31 verse 30. This is very important. And singles, you've got to listen to me on this now. Proverbs 31 verse 30. Proverbs 31.30 Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. You can go for charm. You can go for beauty. Or you can go for a woman who fears the Lord. Three things are said there. It says, but charm can be deceitful. Beauty is vain. It says, but a woman who fears the Lord she shall be praised. It's the same thing. You can replace this for men. A man who fears the Lord. A man who fears the Lord shall be praised. Proverbs 21 verse 9. Proverbs 21 verse 9. A very interesting verse of scripture. Proverbs 21. It is better to live in a corner of a roof. Than in a house shared with a contentious woman. You can replace it. Okay? Contentious man. If you're a woman, replace it with a contentious man. Because some men are contentious. Always looking for trouble. Everything, they must fight. They come from, the, from outside. The sleepers was like this when they went out. When they came back, the sleepers was like that. The whole house will have to gather for a family meeting. How are the sleepers turn? Very contentious. In those days, we used to think a lot that it was ladies that nag. Right now, you have nagging men. Yeah? 
talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. So I like to clarify my mind. I like to clarify my mind. Can you clear it once and for all? Let's have peace. Look at Proverbs. It is better to live in a corner of the house top on the flat roof, exposed to the weather, than in a house shared with a quarrelsome, contentious woman or man who you choose to marry. At the early stages of our life, we like to marry for beauty, for emotions, for love, for a lot of those things. But the more you grow older, you will only require one thing, peace of mind. That's the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, no, no, no. Ask any older person who is married 20 years more than above. And if people are separating, nobody has separated because their wife is too beautiful. Nobody has separated because their husband is too handsome. You know the one thing they will say? I don't have peace. Have you heard that statement a lot? They might have money, but they say they don't have peace. <laughs> your choice of who to marry. I know your emotions are, Paul says, if you cannot hold yourself, instead of burning, go and marry. I know you are burning. I know you are burning. You are burning. You cannot wait to cuddle at night. You cannot wait to take pre-wedding photos. But know that that's a choice that will determine the Lord in your life. Because when you have gone out, when you have gone everywhere, when you come back, you don't want to be desirous of being exposed to the weather than to stay in your home. That's why some people don't close early. They are just there. Even work has finished. They will take their colleagues' work. Say, you didn't finish your work? So let me have it. I will help you. Go home. And the man gets home when everybody has slept. You don't want that kind of life. That's not the life God has designed for us as believers. Can you say amen? amen. And you will not have that kind of life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So every day you speak. The right man is looking for me. I am a woman who fears the Lord and the Lord is giving me to a man that will be of a blessing to me. A man that would allow me to serve God. You say that every day. Don't say, oh man, oh hey. Don't say that. You will have what you say. As you have spoken to my ears, so shall I do unto you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you say the right thing. There's a God-fearing woman in the world for me. Praise God. I said, praise God. You know, before I got married, I never had the fear that I would marry a wrong person. I, I don't know why. I never had that fear. Th- that fear was not, it didn't grow up in me. You know the reason why? I always lived by the word of God. So I, I had scriptures that I was confess- confessing regarding my wife in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, let me, let me show you one of those scriptures. One of those scriptures that, that got me, Sister Mary. Let me show you. Proverbs 25, verse 24. <laughs> And this scripture went to work here. Not this one. Proverbs uh, 19.14, sorry. Proverbs 19.14. This was one scripture that brought her all the way from Joss to Delta State. God's word can work. (laughs) You know, if you speak the word of God consistently in your life, if if your wife is in Makodi and you are in Boni, Somehow, somehow, you will enter the same bus. Hmm? And let me tell you something. If you are a child of God, believing God for marriage, remove all those 
cultural concept from your heart. Don't block what God wants to do. I like the word of God. I like what Pastor Banke used to say all the time. The word of God has sense. Okay? Don't give it sense. You know, you usually pray, Father God, I want to marry God to every man. Father, but uh, let him not just be, let him not be an Aousa man. Let him not be, I don't want fool any. But God, you know, I want somebody around debtors. Don't do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No, I'm telling you the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We all have our preconceived notions about, but let me tell you, in every tribe, there are devils and there are saints. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've seen people who married from their own tribes and they were treated like. I mean, are you, you, you will even tell yourself that, okay, if you are not even husband and wife, at least you are from the same place. Have a bit of human sympathy for, for geographic. Are you, so remove all those things. Let the word of God give you the person who you deserve. And instead of waiting for the right person, become the right person. You will attract the right person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I like what some of my friends, single friends, used to post on Facebook right now. Say, don't, you, you cannot want a Ketunkuma spirit in a King Kardashian body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because some of you want that mixing. You, you <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You, you want, you want a, 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 a worldly package, but a touch of spirituality. <laughs> you do your own mixing. And bake your own cake. Proverbs 19.14 Houses and wealth are inheritance from father, from fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. You know what that word prudent means? A wife that can manage. And this was one of the scriptures I prayed every day. Father, thank you. Because my father can give me wealth. My father can give me houses. But my father cannot give me a good wife. A prudent wife is from you, Lord. Therefore, I receive in the name of Jesus. I spoke these scriptures all the time. And this dispelled fear from my heart. This dispelled fear. And it also dispelled trialogue. You know, some people are in 100 relationships before they strike the light as if they are looking for oil. No. You, 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 you keep speaking this word and you stay calm. No hurry, no pressure. Hallelujah. If you're, if you're a man, you, you can put that also. A man who fears the Lord. Because it's the fear of the Lord that will keep your marriage sane. Are you hearing what I'm saying here now? Alright. Now, uh, we, we read a lot of scriptures about, men, about women. Let's read some about men. Before they now see this pastor. 1 Samuel 25, 25. First Samuel 25, 25. Uh, Abigail married a man called Naba. He says, please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Naba. For as his name is, so is he. Naba is his name. And foolishness or folly is with him. This good woman married a foolish man. And by the actions of this man, almost destroyed their home. In fact, this story is interesting. The servants knew that the man was foolish. So when the servants of David came and talked to him, and he reacted like that, immediately the woman came. They just ran to the woman. He says, oh, God has done it again. No? They will soon kill us. And they narrated to the woman. And the woman went and saved them. Huh? And David too was a very sharp man. Immediately he heard that Nabal was dead. 
You just quickly say, Abigail, come, come. I have something to say to you. <laughs> are, are you following this? So you can be a nice person and you marry a foolish person. If the Lord doesn't help you. Great girl married a foolish man. That's how some women went about out of love. Married very lazy men. And all they do is to sit and watch television and say, I'm the man of the house, I'm the man of the house. They'll never look for a job. They'll never get a job doing. Hmm? Because of love. There's a prayer that Reverend Sima Falabi said should pray. And I pray that prayer. I mean, I prayed it over my life. And it's a good prayer. He said, just pray that your children will fall in love with the right person. He said, because when they are falling in love, he said, your cancer will fall on deaf ears. There's nobody as difficult to cancel like a person in love. Everybody becomes an enemy who does not agree. And you know, in this generation, we can rent fathers. Say, bring your people. He said, okay, just tell two of your friends. Say, follow me, follow me. Go, you my papa, you my uncle. <laughs> All right, let's go on. I need to teach your marriage one of these days, right? I have to do a marriage series. Number five, how you handle your finances. How you handle your finances. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. You cannot serve God and money. The choice of what you do with your money, it's important. The choice of what you do with your money is important. Do you have good money habits? Do you apportion your giving? Do you have proper wisdom? Do you know how to handle lump sum? Like Joseph, when a lot of money comes into your hands, do you know what to do? Do you realize that when, when, each, when Egypt was in the season of abundance, God gave Joseph wisdom to preserve abundance for seven years, to serve them during the seven lean years. Do you remember that? That's wisdom. How do you handle your finances? You, are you a steward? Do you respect God in your finances? Do you apportion your giving? Do you know when to give what? Or do you overstretch yourself? Do you work by budget? Your approach to finances. Your choice to finances. Number six. Your response to your parents. Your response to your parents. You might not have had the best parents in life. But we have the scriptural word of honor. Got to honor our parents. Hmm? Got to honor your parents. At least, regardless of how bad your parents treated you, they gave you life. <laughs> Without them, you would not be here to make the right choice. So we honor them. Ephesians 6 2. Hmm? We honor our parents. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. You give them honor. I know there are some parents who haven't done well. We've done all kinds of crazy things. Allow the word of God to heal our hearts. So honor them. Give them the honor they deserve. You're not doing it for them. You're doing, them, doing it in what? In obedience to the scriptures. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 15 verse 5. Jesus said, Whatever you have ordained for your parents, don't call it koban. Don't say it has been given to God. And I want to create a balance in this. Right? It's good to give to God. It's good to give to your pastors. It's good to give to your leaders. But have something separated for your parents. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No matter how small. You see, the good thing about this, except you have parents who are, I mean, and then there are boundaries also. I know there are parents who, if you leave them, they will even sell you alive to get money. Now, you've got to place those boundaries. So, 
you, you are able to say, this is how much I can give to you. This is what I can afford. And then I'll tell you this. If you have parents who don't know how to manage money, don't give them money. Get the things that the money will do for them. So instead of giving them money, buy the food and take it down. If they say they want money, tell them you don't have. If it's food you want, there's food here. I mean, there's a balance in all of these things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm not saying you go to the extreme where you can't even make the right choices because, I mean, your parents are on you all the time. So, and it's very easy. It's very easy. And I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. It's very easy. If you're married also, it's a wisdom that the Lord gave me very early in our marriage and it's helped me. I'll share it with you. I mean, I, I don't honor my parents more than I honor Sister Mary's parents. I don't do that. I honor them equally. I mean, that's just me. And the wisdom God gave to us when we're getting married, we honor my parents one month, we honor her parents the other month, we honor my parents the next month, we honor my parents... You know, like that. So, in the course of a year, six months, we're able to honor our parents. Six months, I'm able to honor my parents. And we do it like that. And when it's not my parents' month, it's not my parents' month. There's nothing you will do. You can't kill me. It's simple as that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll obey the word of God, but not at the expense of peace in my home. And what? And discomfort to my immediate family. You've got to understand that because when you... The Bible says a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. One of the signs of maturity of any man you want to marry is the ability to leave and to cleave. To leave and to cleave means that you leave. Huh? It's not that one leg is still in your father's house. The one leg is in your marriage. No, you leave totally. Because this is a new family birthing new things on the earth. Do you follow that? Okay. <laughs> I know some, some of these things don't sit well with people. Because hmm? we have people who are married, but the, the control, the BUC engine, is in their family house. So anything you say in the marriage doesn't matter until they approve from headquarters. Say, I will get back to you. Let me think over. I will get back to you. Yeah, you're careful. Mama. Mama, my wife is thinking of what do you think? I say, mm, let me call you. I say, okay, ma, okay, ma. Then you come back. I will get back to you. Hmm? You know you can take care of only two children, but your mother said in their side, in their side, minimum is four. You now come to your wife. Uh, you know me. Only me is two I want. But you know mama. I don't want mama to go to her grave unhappy. You know, if you are my mother, those two extra children, you will give birth to them. I won't even talk. It's not a prayer point. It's not a prayer point. Then you now give birth to four children. God forbid, after the fourth one, the woman now dies. Hey, I've seen my grandchild. I'm happy. Then you, you are now left with responsibility of school fees, feeding, university fee. And the person who you give birth to the two extra four has gone home to be with the Lord. You didn't consider the stress your wife will go through, CS or natural birth, the labor pains, the nine months. No, mama must be happy. Why not marry your mother? We, see, we need to say these things from the pulpit. We need to say the truth. Because sometimes women are put under undue pressure because of men who are spineless. And because they will not obey the scriptures. Because the scripture says you should not marry if you cannot leave your father and your mother. And so you have a home here, but the happiness of this home is built on the happiness of where you're coming from. 
And so instead of living to please your family, you're living to please your mother and displeasing your wife and creating tension in the home, you don't have peace here and that person will soon die. And so, you're living for the past instead of the future. And then you're praying. You remember what you said? Hmm? Remember what you said? Remember what you said? People ruin their own lives with their stupid decisions and they end up doing what? Blaming God. If you want to marry, marry. If you don't want to marry, stay in your mother's house. Can I get a good amen? amen? Thank you. Number seven. How you handle time. How you handle time. We've talked about a lot of time here. A lot about time here. Number seven. How you handle time. How you handle time. Number eight. How you handle opportunities. How you handle opportunities. And in, in, in how you handle opportunities, I'll give you two. There are negative opportunities. Joseph had an opportunity to sleep with Potiphar's wife. He did not make that choice. And then, how you handle positive opportunities. The Lord will give you opportunities. How do you handle them? The choices you make with the opportunities would give you a good start in life. Can you remember all the eight choices? Let's go over them again. Number one, your response to God and His Word. Number two, your local church and your pastor. Number three, your friends and your closest associate. Number four, your spouse or who you choose to marry. Number five, how to handle your finances. Number six, your response to your parents. Number seven, how you handle your time. Number eight, how you handle opportunities, whether positive or what? Negative. Now, what are the four things that shape our choices and consequences? Number one, our experiences. Number two, our society. Number three, our family. Number four, you guys are very brilliant. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us make the right choices. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Thank you. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so if you're watching online, um, you're going to have stuff on your comments where you can give your offerings. We'd like to receive our offerings right now. Let's give generously to the Lord. Our giving is part of our worship. Amen. Somebody say, what do they use the money for? Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.